Welcome to the Retirement Risk Show, the best retirement interviews and advice with Dave Hall. Learn strategies to help you reduce and even eliminate the risks facing your retirement. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. My name is Dave Hall, and I am your host. As always, I am so excited to be back again this week to be talking about retirement. I know it seems strange that there's people like me out there that just love to talk about retirement 24-7, but that's what I do. That's what I'm here for, to help you better understand the risks facing your retirement and what you need to do to get safely through the longest self-imposed period of unemployment that most of you are going to have in your lifetime. It could last 20 years. It could last 30 years. In fact, for some of you, it may last 40 or 50 years, and it's important we prepare for that. That's why I'm so excited today to bring one of my friends in with us to talk about budgeting. Someone that I've not had a chance to talk to now for a couple of years, I think was the last time we were together. But I brought in with me today, Clarissa, the budget queen. Clarissa, welcome to the show. Dave, thank you for having me back. It's so good to talk to you again. Oh, I'm so excited. I've been following you on Instagram since uh, we met the first time a few years ago, and I was so impressed with everything you were doing then. Maybe you can talk a little bit as we get started here on what it is that you do. So my name is Clarissa. I'm the Budget Queen. And what I do is I help working women make, manage, and multiply their money so that they can live their best lives without going broke to do it. I've helped over 700 women create a budget that saved them $10,000 or more. And what I do is just try to help more women do the same thing. So can I put a wig or something on and get in on part of this? I mean, this is all sounding great to me. I've had some male clients, definitely. But I think for women, we are the under-supported, <laughs> the underserved community. And I think it's so important that because we are the ones that take care of everybody, we never take care of ourselves. So that's why I focused on helping women, you know, be more confident and competent with their money. And I'm glad you brought that up because it's something that I've had concerns with for quite a while now. In fact, we've got a new webinar coming out called Women, Money and Power where we're going to be talking for an hour to CPAs about uh, the things that women should be doing. Because as you mentioned, unfortunately, far too many women are not preparing. And oftentimes, even the men in their lives aren't helping them prepare, that they're taking care of themselves, not doing a great job for the women in their lives. Uh, As you go through this process, what are some of the first steps that you find that people need to take to really start taking action on their finances? The first step is, well, it's not the the nicest step, but it's really just getting in the right mindset, right? Understanding where you are currently, what were some of the things that were holding you back previously in your life for budgeting and paying off debt and those things. Just really understanding why you have the mentality about money that you currently have that's where people really need to start. And then the next step is definitely budgeting because I'm the budget queen. (laughs) The next step is definitely budgeting. It's not the prettiest thing. And a lot of people don't like it. They don't like to do that self-work, really digging deeper into, okay, well, why do I always save so much? Or why do I always impulse spend or whatever those money habits are? Just really digging deep into why you are the way you are, why you have the beliefs you do about money is really the first place you should be starting. Do you find that that goes back for most people to their childhood or is there a trail that you can usually follow that says, hey, most people it's going to be this way or is it all over the board for people why they have the the spending patterns, the saving patterns, all the things that they do with money? It absolutely goes back to childhood. You first learn about the world from your parents, right? So it starts at home. What conversations have you heard about money in your household, 
right? Were your parents struggling? Did you grow up rich? Did you grow up poor? Those things have a huge impact on how you view money and how well you're going to do in managing it when you get older. Like for me, we grew up poor. We didn't have a whole lot of money. So now I'm an avid saver. Like I save so much to the point where it's not the best because I'm doing more saving and I should be doing a little bit more investing. So I'm trying to, you know, I'm working on myself. We're all a work in progress, right? Because of that, that's why I have been more on the saving side of things. I never want to be how I was when I was younger. I never want my children to be in that predicament. So I have that habit of always saving and never really enjoying life and going on trips and doing, you know, those things that everybody else is doing, although I can afford it. I'm just so scared of just being back in that place. And a lot of people are like that, but it could also have the opposite effect. It could have the effect where you grew up poor and then now you have money and all you want to do is spend it. So it just depends on just how you grew up, how you see the world, how you view money. There's a lot of factors that go into that, but it definitely starts when you're younger. I was raised very similar to you, and maybe that's part of how we connected. As you look at the background, we didn't have money. My dad was a laborer for the Union Pacific Railroad. There were six kids uh, in our family, and we just never had enough money. Now, I'm much like you. I've got seven going on eight kids, and my family just doesn't stop. I'm not sure what's wrong with me, but we we had six biological children. Now we just keep adopting uh, kids into our family, which I'm very excited about. But I've been very much like you from a spending side, maybe not so tight because kids don't allow you to be that tight when you got that many of them. But but what do you find more of? Do you find more of the change? I mean, like for myself and you, we saw that and said, look, I don't want that anymore. I've got to do something different. But I don't know for you. I had five other siblings. Most of them live very similar lives to what my parents had. I find that to be the thing. I think people gravitate towards trying to spend more because they don't ever want to go back to not being able to buy or not being able to spend. But that's where we kind of need to find that balance. But I do see a lot of people, my sister is the same way. My sister is a spender. We grew up in the same household, same mom, like everything is basically the same. And she's a totally different person. So you you see kind of a mix of, of all of it. But as humans, we gravitate towards more pleasure, right? Saving and being an avid saver is more about security. But the pleasure part is the spending and, and the buying what you want. And you see this jacket and you get it. You know, you go out to eat all the time. You spend time with your friends. A lot of people gravitate towards the pleasure impulses rather than the more of the security. Is there a process that fits everyone? I mean, as you're talking about these personalities and as you're discovering these and helping people understand why they're the way they are with money, does the process look a little different for someone who's always been a spender versus someone you're working with that maybe is always you know, leaned more to us being a saver, but yet doesn't understand what it is they need to do to start saving the right amounts for the future? Absolutely. The process is different. When I'm doing one-on-one coaching with my clients, I have them dig a little bit deeper into why they view money the way they view it or or just thinking about it. Because a lot of people don't think about the way they view money. I ask a lot of questions on my Instagram page where I ask people, you know, what were some of the things when you were younger that symbolized wealth to you? And then people never thought about that. And then they start digging deeper. It's like, oh my gosh, I used to think this, or I used to think that. And then we're all talking and we're like, that's what I thought too. And then you notice people with the same thought pattern live similar lives. Like for me, when I was younger, I thought a sign of wealth was having stairs in your house. Very silly. But that's what I saw. Somebody who was able to have a house and not just an apartment, I thought they had a lot of money, right? So I get people to start thinking about those things and then really dig deeper into why they're spending. So if you feel like, like I said, with me, 
I grew up poor and I save a whole lot, then that tells me a lot about how I'm managing my money now and what things I need to focus on or need to be aware of when I'm trying to change some of those habits and be more healthier with money. So yeah, definitely we go back and we, we dig a little bit deeper into what your, what your thoughts are about money. And then we take it from there because you have to build from there and everybody doesn't start at the same place. So it's, it's super important to meet people where they are and personal finance is personal. So the remedy for you won't be the same remedy for me and vice versa. Pleasure is very important when we look at anything in our lives. Uh, we all want to have pleasure in our lives. And I think I'd be a perfect client for you because for me, pleasure actually is going to the thrift stores. Where does that might sound? Coming from a family where we had no money, one of the stores they used to have back when I was a kid was called Pick and Save. Some people listening may remember that. I don't know if you ever saw Pick and Save in your life, but that was like the Bargain Hut or like Ollie's or some of these other stores they have now. And I'd love to go get all the odd candy, as weird as that sounds. But to this day, the best thing that I can ever do is go to one of those stores and buy $5 worth of candy. And I'm like the happiest guy in the world. It's probably like someone else going to Tiffany or Chanel. I'm like, just take me to the thrift store and give me $5 of candy and I'll, I'll be happy for weeks. But obviously everyone's not that way. You know, you do have people that have very expensive tastes. You may have couples where one couple's a saver, one's a spender. Any suggestions there, especially in a relationship where you're trying to mold two personalities into being able to, hey, we need to get some pleasure, but we also need to save for the future. We want to make sure we have some pleasure in the future and we have money to do that. It's really hard to change other people, right? So I really don't teach people on how they can change somebody else's mindset. You will change over time when you see things differently. So when I have couples that I coach, I tell them to first start with discussing what your goals and what your dreams are, right? Because we can connect on that level. Where do you see us in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, right? Because you were brought together for a reason. So, you, you know, you kind of got some things in common. You probably see some things the same. So if you're saying that, you know, in 40 years, I want to be retired and I want to take trips and I want to do this and I want to do that. And then you start there, right? In order to be able to take trips when you retire is to make sure that you have your debt paid off, right? And to make sure you have some money saved, have some money invested. So then you kind of work backwards. So, you know, that's what you need. So how do we get there? What debts do we have? We need to start paying things off. We need to start making sure we stop using our credit cards. We need to find other streams of income. And then you work your way that way. When you start with the goals, like people get really happy. You're in your element when you're thinking about what your life could be. Like you said, you start thinking about that pleasure. You get your brain starting to think about that pleasure, the things that you want to do, the things that you love. And then you could work your way backwards. And that's how you connect with you know, a loved one or a spouse to get them on board with where you're trying to go. Because what people are trying to do is work the opposite way. I'm trying to convince this person that we need to save and do this and this and this, but you need to work the opposite way so that they can start saying, okay, now I see what you mean. This is what I want and this is what I got to do to get there. If that makes sense. It, it does make sense. I used to teach a lot of personal finance classes to Boy Scouts, something that was a big part of my life. I'm an Eagle Scout. It was where I spent my time as a youth. But as I worked with these kids, we actually did that with their jobs and what they wanted to have. We went through and said, hey, tell me all the things that you want to have. What type of house do you want to have? What type of car do you want to have? What type of marriage and kids do you want to have? 
And then what's the job that you need to have to be able to get that? We're not doing McDonald's if that's your goal. You know, we're not going to be doing uh, Target if that's your goal. And surprisingly, it worked very effective. Most of those kids now have gone through college and, and ironically, they became accountants. I'm not sure that was a good or bad move. Uh, hopefully, I was some type of influence there, but they really decided to change that. And I think that's a lot of what you're saying here. That again, we've just got to take a new look. And it's all about starting with ourselves. Once we do that, then over time, everything else can play out in our relationships and with the other people that are in our lives. Yeah, it's really tough when you are trying to help two people at once, especially when their finances depend on each other. So it, it is kind of hard when you have two people to convince and two people to teach. But usually one person gets through to the other person and because they both want to just be on the same page, it, it tends to work out. Are you a CPA who wants to gain control of the risks facing your retirement? Sign up for our flagship webinar, Getting Safely Through Retirement, to learn the best techniques and strategies to reduce or even eliminate the top 10 financial risks facing your retirement at retirementriskadvisors.com. I know one of the concerns that many people have when we talk budgets is rice and beans. Uh, you know, we got to follow the Dave Ramsey school of budgeting that we got to suffer for 20 years in hopes we can have some type of income at some point for 20 years. What's your take on a healthy budget for people that, again, need to save, but also want to have somewhat of a life during the next 20 years? I do not believe in not being able to buy and do what you want to do. I have my bachelor's degree in psychology, so I'm really big on studying people and why we do things. A lot of what I teach is based on some of those things that I've learned in college. I do not believe that it's a sustainable way to budget because when you do it, you just can't. A lot of times people put money in their savings. They do these side hustles or they get an extra job and they put all this money in their savings and then they turn around and spend it because your budget is not allowing you to spend that money. So it's really important that you do not create a budget that doesn't fit your lifestyle or doesn't have those things that you want in it. Now, it might not have everything to start off, right? Because you're going to have some debts and things you're going to have to pay off, some expenses that might be too high. But over time, you're going to be able to put more of those things in there. So what I teach my clients is the pay yourself first. And it's not the pay yourself first that you would find when you Google it, right? So when you Google pay yourself first, it talks about saving money for retirement, which is awesome. That's good. Definitely should be saving money for retirement, right? Like you said, some people are going to live a very long time. You need to be able to fund that, right? So, but that's just taking care of your future self. It's important that we take care of our current self. So when I say pay yourself first, I'm talking about basically allowing yourself to spend, putting some money aside for you to be able to buy whatever it is that you want. I love perfume now. I have an addiction. I don't know why. So I buy perfume often. So I make sure in my budget, I have money for perfume or I have money to go get a massage now and again, or whatever I want to do, go out with friends. Just make sure you have that in your budget. The rice and beans or Dave Ramsey way of doing it is not sustainable. However, I do have what I like to call the PB&J budget. <laughs> so it's kind of like the rice and beans thing, but I say PB&J because we grew up on PB&J and um, <laughs> that's what we ate all the time because we didn't have much money. There are times where you may have to rely on that, right? You may need to do it for a month or you may need to do it for a quarter out of the year, but it's not something that you want to build your budget on. Definitely don't want to do that because you'll find that you'll fail and when I have clients who come to me after they've tried to budget, that's because they've had budgeted strategies that they couldn't sustain. So they think, oh, I can't do it. And they give up. 
So I always tell people never, never, never do that. Don't cut out the avocado toast. Don't cut out the Starbucks. Keep that in your budget. Find other ways where you can kind of reduce your expenses. Which to me then means, I would assume that you're not saying, hey, put 10% away, put 15% away. That's really looking at what the needs and the goals are and then backing into it. Would you agree with that? Saying, hey, I've got this short-term need that maybe it's going to cost me $5,000 I've got to save for. And then I've got this long-term need in retirement that by the time I take my social security and everything else, I'm going to have a shortfall of X dollars and I need to get there. Would you agree that a lot of it's backing in or is there a 10% for everyone or 15% is what you need to be setting aside when we look at what we need to be paying ourselves? Well, a lot of those are guidelines, right? So I do teach guidelines because a lot of times some people just need to know, just tell me what to do and I'm going to do it, right? (laughs) Just tell me what numbers do I need to set aside? How much should this cost? How much should that cost? And then that gets them into it. And then as time go on, they can kind of alter it to the way that they want to. But yeah, I really do think it's a sort of back and in type of process. I think that your budget should be based on your lifestyle. Whatever is important to you, that's how your budget should look. So all of my sessions start out with, we talk about what's important to them. Tell me about your family. Tell me about your life. Tell me about some of the things that you love to do. And then we make sure that when we're creating that budget for you, we're not eliminating all those things. Yes, you need to save. Yes, you need to retire. But you need to make sure that you have a healthy balance between the two. So I I would say, yes, it's more so of a backing in. It should be based on your current lifestyle and then basically getting you to the lifestyle that you want to live. From a timing standpoint, too, I would assume that it's not an overnight situation. I know when we do planning for people, it could be five, six, seven years. And I'm not saying a budget needs to go out that far, but I assume it's not just a one or two month process and, hey, I've got it and I've got everything figured out. What is the average time frame? What is it taking people to say, look, as I adjust into this, now I feel comfortable with it. Maybe it's become a habit to where I can stick with the, the things that you've taught them and help them understand so they can get their lives where they need to be. I would say you always need a budget, right? So you might not need to put as much time in it as you did in the beginning because it's kind of natural now, right? So it doesn't take me a long time to create my budget. I create my budget for the entire year. During the year, I make changes and I adjust when things happen or don't happen, but you will always need a budget. (laughs) So it's not just a seven years thing. I've reached my goal. I never need it. You will always need a budget. As I stated, you want to make sure that you are saving for those things that you want And once you reach those goals, your budget is going to change. That's why you always need to have one because it's always going to look different in every stage of your life. Our first four kids were five and under at one time. So they were all born very, very close period of time. And I hated diapers and I hated formula. And I couldn't imagine that life could have ever gotten more expensive than these two items. And then they got to college And I realized, boy, could I get diapers and formula again? I'd love to have those small costs. But you're exactly right. The the periods of times in our life do change. You know, in my life, I'm at a point now, four kids in college, obviously very, very expensive. A couple of them are starting to graduate. So that number is going down. But then we're in the process of adopting these two special needs children that are going to require care the rest of their lives. And so our budget's got to change even there as well. Something you brought up, uh, Clarissa, on your own side that I'd just like to get your opinion on. I know you mentioned one of your struggles is being able to really spend because you are a saver. What we find for retirees is many of them have the same problem. Now, obviously, you got the segment that didn't save enough, but you often have people that have saved plenty for their retirement, 
they've saved their whole lives. So they're saying, I'm having a hard time spending this. You know, I can't imagine going on these expensive trips, even though I can afford them. And in my opinion, far too many times, they just give the money to the kids and they never live their lives. And then the kids go spend the money at the country club and on golf and uh, trips and all the things the parents did do. Any suggestion for people that are struggling to spend money that are finally at a point they can say, hey, I can break my budget from where I was at so I can really start enjoying the, the effort I put into saving all this. So the first thing that I ask people is, is this something that you really want? Is this a desire that you actually have? A lot of times we are sold the dreams of other people. <laughs> and I think that going on trips and traveling is awesome. It's good. A lot of people don't feel that way. If it is something you truly want to do, yes, we can talk through what that will look like and how you can take steps to get closer to doing that. But the first thing is, is this something you really want to do? We have this American dream, go to college, buy a house, get married, have kids. Some people don't want to have kids, right? Some people don't want to get married. Some people don't want to buy a house. They're comfortable with renting for the rest of their lives. It's super important just to figure out, again, personal finance is personal. Figure out what you want to do with your life personally, and then you go from there. But if it is something that people really feel like, yeah, it's Clarissa, this is something I want to do, but I'm struggling to, to do it. Again, it starts with that mindset change, right? You've been saving all of this time. Tell me why you're struggling with actually spending it. What are your thoughts around that? What are you thinking? Is it, do you think it's too much money? Are you afraid that you won't have enough money in case something comes up? So we kind of explore what they're thinking and what they're feeling. And then we kind of chip at that over time. But it's going to take a lot for somebody who is set in their thinking when it comes to money. It does take a lot to kind of change that especially when it comes to spending on yourself. Moms do it a lot. And I have a lot of moms that I coach. They do it a lot. They're always taking care of everybody else. Always. It's so easy to spend all this money on your kids, to buy them clothes, to pay for their school. But then when it comes to going to the store and buying a pair of pants, you can't break away with $50. Like you can't do it. But you just bought school clothes for your kids that were like $300, $500. And then when it comes to you, you just can't do it. So it's just exploring those feelings understanding your mindset, and just getting past those insecurities when it comes to spending money. I appreciate so much of what you said there. And as you look at the concepts that you're talking about there, definitely something that, that many people struggle with. And again, not only in their working years trying to save up, but then as they get into those retirement years. And I, I think you're exactly right. We oftentimes get led to believe that there's a perfect retirement out there. In fact, we were going through pictures the other day for an event we've got coming up. And my graphic designer, CR, who produces this show, had a lot of the similar pictures you would see on a traditional retirement site. The big boat, the nice beaches, all those things. I said, CR, that isn't what we're selling. We're not trying to sell people this unachievable dream. What we're trying to help people understand is there can be a good retirement and more so with family. Most of our stuff, you're going to see family pictures and social settings. So I said, that's where the happiness comes. I've seen people live that other life. That for a certain group, it's not perfect, but it's such a small percentage. Most of the rest of us, we want to spend our time with family and with friends and doing those social activities. And I said, that's what we've got to promote. And really what you're doing on your side. I, I hate to run. I can't believe our time's gone. We've actually gone a little overtime today, but it was so much uh, time well spent. Clarissa, how can people get a hold of you? I am always on Instagram. 
that is where I live. That's where you can find me. We just hit today, I believe, 85,000 followers. So that's very exciting. It's moving so fast. I'm super excited about that. But I'm very responsive on my social media. People are always like, you really responded to me. You really said something. Absolutely. I'm here to connect with people who really want to learn about money and I want them to feel comfortable doing it. So I'm very responsive on social media when it comes to Instagram and I'm always there and you can catch me at budgetqueen underscore blog. Thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, I look forward to hopefully having a conversation with you sooner than a couple of years next time. Uh, This has been an absolute pleasure. For those of you that are trying to get to a safe and secure retirement, you can go to our website, retirementriskadvisors.com, where we have the education and tools you need. Please reach out to Clarissa, the budget queen, get uh, access uh, to the knowledge and tools she has. Again, especially if you're a woman that's uh, struggling to deal with money, looking for someone that can not only help you from a financial side, but can also help you with the mental stuff that the money deals with and all those feelings that most of us haven't learned how to handle, uh, get in contact with her. My name's Dave Hall. I'm the host. Uh, Look forward to seeing each of you again next week. And that's today's episode. Thanks for listening. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe to wherever you get your podcast. We come out with a new episode every Friday morning and you don't want to miss it. And don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify if that would really help us out. The Retirement Risk Show is a production of the Retirement Risk Advisors. Our show was produced by C.R. Talene and Autumn Koenig. If you're a CPA looking for more retirement education, visit retirementriskadvisors.com to sign up for more than 15 free CPE retirement webinars.